G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode three of the God's Word Today's World podcast. One of the things I believe the early church got right was they treated each other like family. Sure, like a family they fought, and there were issues and things weren't perfect, but my goodness if it didn't make a world of difference to their effectiveness as a church. If Christians today made an effort to treat those they go to church with as family, then churches across the globe would change. There's an incredible power to being loved like family, a power that so many churches in the West today lack. It reminds me of a story that I believe Francis Chan told of a gang member who had become a Christian and started attending, I think it was a church that Chan pastored. After a while, the man stopped coming to the church, and a few months later, Chan saw him around somewhere and asked him why he had stopped coming. And the answer broke Chan's heart. The man said that when he joined the church, he thought he was joining a family. But beyond Sunday, no one seemed to care for each other. So he went back to the gangs because he felt that they were more of a family. Whether that's exactly what happened or not, it's still a valid picture of many churches today. We're less like families than a gang is. And we got to change that. We can't keep going like that. So today, join me as I continue through Acts and look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, a passage where we see the beauty of a church where everyone treats each other like family. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find that over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode four on the list. But without further ado, let's dig in. So last week in episode 3 of God's Word, Today's World, we looked at the disciples' passion for God and their boldness when following Jesus. And I challenged us to look at our lives and see whether we had that same kind of passion or whether we just try to blend into the world. Are we so passionate about Jesus that we can't help but talk about the incredible things he's done for us any chance we get? Or do we treat our faith as something to keep quiet about? The world tells us that you can believe whatever you want, just don't go telling people about it. Which is funny because the people I tend to hear say that are usually the people who are very, very vocal about what they believe or don't believe. But the Bible tells us something different. Jesus commands us to be his witnesses to share the gospel, the good news of what Jesus had done. And who are we going to listen to? 
Are we going to listen to the God who created us? Or to people? Today, we're going to have a look at what it means to be a church, a community of believers. And our passage is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through to 47. And this is the World English Bible, British edition. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayer. Fear came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all according as anyone had need. Day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread at home, they took their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. The Lord added to the assembly day by day those who were being saved. When I read this passage, the thing that stands out most to me is this. The early church looked like a family. Not only that, they acted like a family. They acted like they actually cared about one another. They knew who was in need amongst them, and they went as far as selling their own possessions so they could take care of those in need. Why? Because their priority was people, not possessions. Some people look at this passage, especially verse 44, which says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they scoff, saying that the early church was a commune, that every single person had to sell everything they had, and it was all redistributed equally. This is not at all what the passage says, nor did Jesus or the apostles teach that. What we actually see happening in this passage is that those with plenty knew that they had plenty and were willingly and joyfully giving up possessions in order to help brothers and sisters in Christ who were in need. We see a beautiful picture of love and voluntary generosity at work here. The disciples didn't expect anyone to sell their possessions, nor was anyone forced to, because God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, again the World English Bible, Biblical, that British edition. Let every man give according as he has determined in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Being forced by others to give results in us giving grudgingly, which is not something God desires. It builds resentment between people, not love. In Acts 4, Luke makes it clear that those who sold property did so willingly and with a desire to help others, not from being forced to. And he also makes it clear that not everyone sold properly, property, only some. Acts chapter 4, verse 33 to 35 in the NIV. 
With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Then in Acts 5, Peter states clearly that everyone still owns their own property, be it houses, land, or other possessions. When Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept part of the money for themselves, but then lied to the apostles and told them that it was all the money, Peter said this in Acts 5 verse 4. This is the World English Bible, British edition. While you kept it, didn't it remain your own? After it was sold, wasn't it in your power? How is it that you have conceived this thing in your heart? You haven't lied to men, but to God. The property was theirs. The money they received from selling the property was theirs. They could do with it what they wanted. Not giving all the money wasn't the sin. Lying to God was the sin. They could have sold the property and given 1% of the proceeds to the church and been fine if they'd been giving with a cheerful heart. But they gave out of pride and wanting to be praised for doing more than they actually did. They gave selfishly. But the point is this. No one forced them to sell the property. The apostles weren't teaching that you needed to sell all you had in order to be a real Christian. No, people were choosing to give up what they owned for the sake of others because they were so overwhelmed with God's generosity for them that they couldn't help but be generous to others. The other major theme that I see in this passage is that those members of the early church knew one another. They knew one another. The early church met in the temple, but they also constantly ate together. They met in each other's homes and shared meals together. They put effort into knowing others in the church. Now, this was a church of thousands by this point and growing constantly. It wasn't possible to know everyone in the church, but you can still get to know a lot of people with some effort. And today, how many people do we really know at the church we attend? Many really only have a small handful of people that they'd call friends, and maybe only a couple that they'd call good friends. There are probably only a few who we'd invite around for dinner or go hang out with after church. For the most part, we're happy to just see each other on Sunday, say hi as we get our coffee, and wave goodbye as we dash out after church to get back to regular life. This is the complete opposite to how the early church acted. Acts chapter 2, verse 46-47, to World English Bible, British Edition. Day by day, continuing steadfastly with one another 
with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread at home. They took their food with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the assembly, day by day, those who were being saved. Every day they continued to meet together. They shared meals together with glad and sincere hearts, meaning they didn't grudgingly have a meal together. They wanted to share a meal and spend time with each other, and they praised God while they did. Sharing meals together is such an important part in the growth of a friendship. Because there's a level of intimacy and friendship that is achieved when we have a meal with others that we can't get from just chatting to someone at church. I mean, there is a reason that when you tell someone that you're going on a date, most will assume that means you're going out to dinner. It's the pinnacle of getting to know you activities. And I believe there are some good reasons for this. Number one. It hides awkward silences in conversations. When getting to know someone, especially when you're introverted, it can be a struggle to think of what to ask. When you're sharing a meal together, you can take more time to think of what to say and what to ask without awkward silence because you have an excuse. You don't want to talk with your mouthful. Number two. It forces more balanced conversations. Some people in conversations tend to dominate. But when sharing a meal, even the most talkative person pauses to take a bite of food and hopefully doesn't do too much talking with their mouthful. But this becomes the perfect opportunity for a more reserved person to be able to jump in and talk for a bit. But compare that to a Sunday morning. We're often distracted. There are only a few minutes before the service starts in which we have time to talk. And after church, we're often busy thinking about what we're doing for the rest of the day or evening, depending on when your church service is. And then awkward silences. They tend to be really obvious and especially awkward at church. A church is not a good time to build solid, lasting relationships in which we'd be even slightly comfortable talking about how we're really doing. I mean, how many people at church, when they ask how you're doing, do you respond to with anything other than good? But when you sit down with others with the goal of nothing more than to eat a meal and enjoy each other's company, That's when friendships really bloom. That's when you realize, oh, I actually rather like that person. Or sometimes, because we're human and vastly different, we might discover that, oh, I don't actually like that person very much. In which case, we have to practice grace in still showing love and respect to that person in the same way that Jesus loves us even when we stubbornly refuse to do what he asks. We have to love and be patient with others. Jesus commanded a group of incredibly different and diverse disciples to love one another. I mean, 
It was 12 guys, fishermen, tax collectors, outcasts, warlike zealots, gung-ho men who charged in without thinking, fiery-tempered men who earned the nicknames Sons of Thunder, calm, quiet men who sat back and listened, skeptical men who needed to see and touch everything in order to believe. That's a very diverse group of people who argued a lot. But Jesus commanded them to love one another. And if we're serious about following Jesus' commands, then at times we'll be required to love people we really don't like. Perhaps liking someone is negotiable. But as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, loving people is not. That's a command, and one of the most important commands that Jesus gave. It's like the command to love the Lord our God with everything we are. So much like it, that when asked to give the greatest commandment, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39, in the World English Bible British Edition. Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second, likewise, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The fact that Jesus refused to separate the two commandments should give you an idea of how serious Jesus is about us loving one another, despite our differences. So how can we imitate the early church today? Certainly the early church had its struggles, but obviously it got some things right. Just look at how much it grew. Look at the love shown between its members. Look at the dedication of its people. They did a lot right, and the love of God was plainly visible to all those around them. So how can we replicate that today? It's simple. It starts with loving God with everything we are. Then, to love one another as he loved us. When we do those two things, the rest happens naturally. So my challenge today is going to be a very practical, actionable one. We can start next time we go to church. I want each and every one of us to find someone in our church who we don't know very well and organize to have a meal with them. It can be as simple as share a coffee or tea or soda together or having them over for a home-cooked meal or, if both parties can afford it, going to a restaurant for a meal. Ultimately, what the meal looks like doesn't matter so long as it's comfortable for both parties and it's not a strain on anyone's budget. Life is pretty expensive these days, and some have a much tighter budget than others, so please be considerate of that. And also, if your budget is tight, suggest something that you can comfortably afford. Don't be afraid to suggest cheaper if you need to. Whatever you do, please do not agree to do something you can't afford, because the point of this 
is that we each take the time to get to know one another over a coffee or a meal. The last thing I want is for anyone to be stressing about the cost instead of getting to know the other people. I believe this is such an important part of being a believer, of building strong churches. I truly believe that if our churches are to become bright lights in our communities, it starts here. It starts with us individually working on loving God with everything we are, and then loving each other as Jesus loves us. And we can't truly love one another if we don't know one another. So ask someone to share a meal with you. And believe me, I give myself the challenge as much as any of you. I'm not really comfortable asking people I don't know well out to dinner. Usually I ask my wife to make the dinner arrangements with people because it makes me nervous. But this is a task I believe we all need to become comfortable with. If you follow Jesus as the Son of God who left heaven to die for your sins and rose three days later defeating death, then you have a much larger family than just those whom you're related to by blood. You have a family that's spread across the globe, all who believe in Jesus as you do. We have a responsibility to get to know that family. So please, embrace this challenge. Who knows? You might make some new friends. They might even be people you've been sitting next to for a year at church, but never really spoken to. And you'll never know, unless you try. Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.